0: You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Pistons Podcast. And before we get into that, everything we're going to talk about today, let me tell you about the live NBA Draft show coming up with NBA Draft GOAT, Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host, Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host, John we will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Bilt Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick, follow Locked On NBA on youtube today and get our live coverage on july 29th at 7 p.m eastern time per usual i am your host Kuka Hill. you can find me on twitter at Hill mba you can find me on youtube at coos ballroom you can also find me over at detroit bad boys Find articles about the pistons and today i am joined by a friend of mine i guess he would you you basically just consider him a fan of the pistons but i'm joined by eli eli go ahead tell me by where they can find you and thank you for coming on today
1: Thanks for having me, man. I'm uh I'm on Twitter at Eli Bashy NBA. Um, I'm about to start writing articles for Piston Powered again. Uh, I do a show called Trash Talk with my boy Tony Dombrowski. I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of Detroit sports fans know him. Yeah, we do a show called Trash Talk, and it's a lot of fun. And can't wait, can't wait to uh see what we got to talk about today.
0: Yeah, so on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about, basically we're going to try to get like the fan perspective. Obviously, I'm a fan of the Pistons as well, but I guess you people would say that I'm more in the professional, try to be a little bit more professional, I guess, would be like analytical, I I would say. Yeah, that I I hate kind of like the whole little trying to separate the two and the things that like it said about it, I I try to walk a line because I feel like it kind of gets disrespectful when people do that. But you, you guys get what I'm saying here. Uh, we're going to talk about the draft party that Eli—I didn't even know that the Pistons were having a draft party at their stadium uh, for the draft until Eli told me literally today. I did not even know about this. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and how basically when I was checking just a couple minutes ago, how it's damn near full already. Um, also, we'll talk a little bit about last year and ask Eli what he thinks what well, what he took away uh, from last year, the part that gave him the most joy in watching the season last year and what he thinks the fan base had the most fun watching last year. And also a topic that I've kind of thrown out here a few times, not many times, but a few times on the podcast about how I'd like to get the fan perspective on why it seems like fans like the new shiny toy, which is usually the rookies and how they quickly turn on them uh, basically after a year or two years, etc. So when we get to that, I think that will be a fun topic to talk about. But Eli, like you mentioned to me today, man, the Pistons are having a draft party at Little Caesars Arena and it's damn near, I'm not going to say it's full, but I was just looking at the tickets and the seats. There's, there's not that many seats available. Like there's, it's damn near full right now. What do you think that speaks to the excitement to the Pistons winning this number one overall pick, the the excitement, the fan base? Like, what do you think that speaks to? And what do you think about all that?
1: Well, there hasn't been much to be excited about with this team for how long? I mean, we had a little taste of excitement when we first traded for Blake, but that evaporated pretty quickly when he got hurt. Um, the fans are just starving. They're starving for good basketball. We haven't got the number one pick in 50 years. We finally got it in a draft that has a somewhat unanimous number one pick, number one guy in Cade Cunningham. The fans want Cade. Seems like Cade wants to be here. Uh, it's it's just a good time to be a Pistons fan, I feel like. Good time to be a Detroit sports fan. Cade was at the Tigers game. I know you talked about that the other day. Uh he wants to be here. Fans love him already. And they they want to see him get picked at LCA. And it's free. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure if it costed money, there wouldn't be that many seats sold, as many as there are now. I say sold like they're actually making money, but, you know, they'll probably make concession money and whatever. But it should be a fun night um, for any fans that are listening. Make it, make it to LCA that night it'll be all the diehards will be there. I can tell you that.
0: So what did you think about seeing Cade at the Tigers uh, stadium at the Tigers game? Like, I know that honestly, I don't know if I'm just making this up myself. I know uh, Tony is a big Tigers guy. Was Tony at that game?
1: Uh, I think that was like the one game that last week or this week that Tony didn't make it to. He went to like every other game except for the Cade game. Um, But where he sits, he wouldn't have even been able to join the chant or anything.
0: Fair enough. Uh, So what what did you think about it, though, him getting those chants at the Tigers game, the We Want Cade, I believe it was? What did you make of all that?
1: I wish I was there and I could have joined in because I love that. And I love that they gave Cade the interview to where the Tigers are going to be in town. And then we're we're meeting with Jalen Green and Evan Mobley, and the Tigers are going on a road trip. So clearly, clearly we have a favorite already selected from Troy Weaver, um, got him a tiger suite and whatever it's, it's just great. And I love that. It's not just like a fan video getting posted. It's like cage trainer posting a video of Cade getting excited about the fans chanting his name.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I think Sham brought that up a few days ago on the podcast as well. That it's like it's not just the fans talking about it. Cade and his cam- and his camp are talking about how much they're excited to come to Detroit and how and, and you saw the excitement like you said on his face in that video. So definitely, it's cool to see. Um, I, I, I spoke about it after the Pistons won the lottery a few weeks ago. Whenever it was, I think was, we're close to a month now, aren't we? Um, I talked about it then that I went to play a pickup game at the Macomb Rec. You know what the Macomb Rec is. But I went to go play at the gym, and I heard the most excitement and most talk about the Pistons that I had ever heard in my time being here. Usually you didn't hear much talk about the Pistons at all. If it was, it usually was bad. But literally the day after, everyone was just so ecstatic and just so happy about everything going on. From your perspective and more, I like you said, I guess you would classify yourself more as a fan, do you see – do you feel like the injection of just – I don't even know, like, excitement or just, just like a pulse there now with this fan base? Like, do you feel that as well?
1: Yeah, it really seems like – listen, every fan base has diehards and Fairweather fans, and the Fairweather fans in Detroit have not been present over the last decade, and rightly so. Like, I don't blame them at all, but you can definitely feel them coming back onto the Pistons because it's just – the excitement, I've, I've never, like you said, I've never seen this many people talking about the Pistons. It's always like, oh, hey, did you see what the Lions did or whatever for some reason, you know, we don't got to go into that. But uh, it just seems like the Pistons have been like the little brother team that no one really cares about in Detroit for so long. And to see all the casuals is, if you want to call them that, see all the casuals care all of a sudden. It's it's good to see. And as a I consider myself a diehard as a diehard to think that opening night at LCA might be full. It's just beautiful, man.
0: So I'll ask this if the Pistons, I don't think it's going to happen. You don't think it's going to happen. Everyone doesn't really think it's going to happen. But Let's just throw this out there. I'd like to hear what your reaction would be. Um, if the Pistons were to not select Kay Cunningham with this number one overall pick, how much of a burst of the bubble, how much, like, just sadness do you think, like, what would, what would the fans react like, basically? I've seen Omari talk about that a little bit, I think, with the, I forget where he went, for the free press, I believe it is. Um, I've seen some of the beat writers say, I'd like to just see what would happen. if, Like, if the Pistons were to not take K. Cunningham, I just want to see what the fans' reaction would be. What, would, what do you think the reactions of yourself would be and, and the fan base as a whole would be?
1: I mean, could you imagine me at LCA with 20,000 other people and Adam Silver gets up there and he says with the first pick, the Pistons select Jalen Green. Could you just imagine the collective what that's going (laughs) to come from that arena? Like, it'll be like, man, oh, it would just be like riots. They would march out of LCA to the performance center and try to jump Troy Weaver like it would not Jump. be pretty they would man they would riot they'd know they'd find troy weaver wherever he is and it would not be pretty but i feel like we trust troy weaver for the most part i mean maybe it's not justified cuz he's only been here 1 year he's bound to mess up eventually um but i feel like fans would slowly trust him if he did something out of the ordinary or we'd try to justify it just because he hasn't messed up yet. But there's just no way they don't pick Cade. And I'm fully expecting us to select Cade. And I'm going to record it just in case we don't. And even if we do, I'm going to be recording at LCA as the pick gets made. Just if something crazy happens, I want to get that reaction.
0: 100% we'll be we'll be waiting for that i definitely am going to be i'm going to be on the live stream with locked on to so make sure you guys pay attention to that but also i'll be looking out for this video i want to see what happens at lc i want to see like if it erupts what happens how everybody celebrates with that with whatever way they go which we all expected to go kade um but when we come back we're going to be continuing to talk with eli get more of the fan perspective on things go through some of the topics we talked about at the beginning of the podcast but before we get into any of that let me tell you about another one of our sponsors benline ag Betting is not legal in Michigan, and if you're anything like me, you want to take advantage of that instantly. However, there was one problem I ran into. There's so many different apps to bet through. Which betting app is the best to use? Which one is the best for me? That's why I found BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL season and NBA season now might be over, but the MLB is still in full swing. And if you want to take your adventures beyond sports, however, BetOnline even has you covered there too. BetOnline covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, things I didn't even know you could bet on. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to BetOnline now to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus and your first deposit, and make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So Eli, we're going to talk a little bit about, obviously, the future and the present right now. uh, later on in the podcast, I should say. But right now, real quick, I want to get your thoughts on this past season. So obviously, the Pistons entered into what Torrey recalls a a restoration this past season uh basically a tank uh a rebuild but he likes to call it restoration which is fine um I like his reasoning behind it. I think everyone loves his reasoning behind it um but it seems like like you mentioned when the Pistons first traded for Blake Griffin I guess there was a little bit of like a oh shock value and excitement a little bit um but even then I feel like it kind of started to fade away uh that 2018-19 season obviously was pretty great but even after that, or I feel like even a little bit during that, I don't feel like we've seen as much engagement from, like you said, more of the fair weather casual fans of the Pistons. What what was it about this past season that you believe had people like yourself and and casuals and the fair weather fans that really had them like excited and like into this team, even though if they weren't going to the games and packing up the stadium, it seemed like more people were paying attention or at least talking about the Pistons this past season.
1: I think the fact that We were able to get three first-round picks. And although Killian got hurt, we saw flashes from Killian of what he could become. Um, And then Sadiq and Isaiah were all uh, rookie-type guys, and we just haven't had that in so long. And we haven't had the youth. We haven't had a guy like Jeremy who, you know, we took a flyer on him, see, can you take your game to the next level? And he showed that he can. Um, And we finally – You know, he calls it a restoration, but we finally tanked, which is what a lot of those casual Fairweather fans have been asking for for so long. We did it. We executed it probably as well as you possibly could, considering we got the number one pick out of it. Um, And although a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, I've been riding through this team forever. No, you haven't. You just came around because we got the number one pick. But I mean, that's okay. We're happy to have you. (laughs) no like for real they you know they're going to be like oh i suffered through all these years i when we won 20 games during the covid year i was watching no you weren't you just came on when we won the lottery <laughs> but it's fine like the more the merrier we're happy to have you back let's sell out lca we're all pistons fans at the end of the day some more than others but we just want to see our team win you know
0: so what if i had to, if you had to pick on like one thing specifically for yourself what was it this past season that you enjoyed watching the most? Was it was it Jeremy Grant's ascension into where he is now? Was it uh, one of the rookies? Was it was it doing Casey's coaching job? Was it was it uh, where where would you go if you had to pick one thing from this past season that you had the most fun like taking away? What would it be?
1: Uh, honestly, I would say the fact that. We just lost games so well, and it was so blatantly obvious to me that we were trying to lose, and it was just, you know, we would be in every game. I loved that. We would be in every game until, like, the last five minutes of the game, and we would just throw so hard at the end of the game. And it was just, it was either, this is what scares me, okay? I, people, know, I, I know where you're. About you know to, where I'm going with this. Yeah, you know this is what scares me. It's either that Dwayne Casey is a genius and he is so good at losing on purpose, or Dwayne Casey was trying to win those games, but his coaching so bad that he didn't. Like that's what scares me a little bit. But at the end of the day, we got the number one pick from it, and we just got to hope for the best in that whole situation and hope that. This year, they play a lot better than they did last year in the clutch.
0: I think something that I noticed from this past season amongst the Pistons fan base, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, I feel like there's been a lot of, like you said, there's everyone. We're all Pistons fans. Everyone's a Pistons fan. Like this is like we're all in, like technically in one big community. But I think in this one big community, there's so many different sections of this community that people find themselves in. And the direction I'm going to go with this is going to be, like, I, I would say fandom of a specific player and how high you are on a specific player. So I feel like there's, there's guys who really like Jeremy and think that Jeremy could be like a number two, number two guy on a championship level team. There's other guys who think, oh, well, you know, he really would be better if we just sent him back to the third or fourth option. Then you got guys who are really high Killian stands. You have people who think Killian sucks. You have people who think Sadiq Bey is next Paul George for some reason. Then you have people like me, I guess, you would throw me in this uh, boat, that are a little bit lower on Sadiq Bey's ceiling. Then you got people thinking that Isaiah Stewart's going to be like the next big thing at center. You have people that think, oh, well, he's probably just going to level out as like a really good backup big, uh, a nice pick, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Which cetera, do you? Which player do you think causes the most controversy right now within the fan base, and which, which side do you find yourself on and why?
1: Um, I'm usually pretty positive, but, you know, I can be honest at the same time. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big Killian believer. I think he's going to be great in the league. I think he has a tremendous IQ feel for the game. Um, I love that you always say he's able to get separation, but he just can't make the shots. I think that's huge. And once he does start making those shots, it's just going to open up his game even more. It's going to open up his passing ability even more. Um, yeah, I'm a big believer in Killian Sadiq. Uh, I think he could be like a McKill Bridges type of guy. I think just great three and D I think he's a starter in the league. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be like an all-star superstar, anything like that just because of his athleticism, uh, beef stew. He could probably be very serviceable if, uh, if his jumper is as reliable as it seemed to be. I mean, I know it, his efficiency kind of got worse as the year went on last year, but correct me if I'm wrong. Like I know a lot of people agree with this. Like every time Isaiah shot a three, I feel like I thought it was going in. Do you feel like that too?
0: No. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I came on the podcast at the end of the season once they like secure, like it made it very known they're going to tank. I think it was like the last nine games, whatever. They basically like hinted like this was going to be it. We're starting the rookies. I, I came on here and said I wanted to see him shoot, like, three or four game, So before then, yeah, I felt like everything was going in because I think that had more to do with, though, not even his three-point shooting. It felt like he made every uh, mid-range jumper he shot, every, like, little pop and in the, in the little short roll. He made every single one, and he always had really good touch. So, yeah, I, I feel like before then, I feel like every shot was going in, yeah. But I think it has to do with the fact that he was in so many, like, how many mid range? I like it. You know what? I'd like to look up how many times he missed a mid range jumper because it felt like he made almost every single one he shot. <laughs> but like they, they were
1: they were money. Like his touch on those shots is just it's unbelievable. If he can become real serviceable as a stretch big or real stretch big, I think he can definitely start in the league. Um, but you know, I like uh, you always say we need a lob threat, and I completely agree with that. I think with Kate and Killian and their passing ability. It's just gonna be so important to get a guy that can just catch everything around the rim. I mean, even Mason Plumley isn't that bad at that. Uh, I feel like people forget Mason Plumley was once in a dunk contest. Uh, you know, he, he, can, oh, he, he was. can catch lobs. I forgot yeah, about he, that too. He could catch lobs for sure. He's he's seven feet tall. I mean, Isaiah's six nine, but has that seven four wingspan to make up with it. Uh his hands are a little questionable, but I think he's good enough at those types of things in the pick and roll to where it'll be fine to have him as a starter if he can shoot. Uh, And then other guys, I'm a big Sekou guy. I'm not one of those guys that I know uh, we're going to talk about this later, but I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, shiny new toy. I'm going to forget completely about Sekou, who a year ago we were like, this is the savior of our franchise. And now it seems like everybody wants him off the team which it's just weird to me because he's 20 years old. He has so much room to improve. Um, And I think at the end of the year, he showed that he might be ready to finally be a rotational piece. I think not having the G league really hurt him. He's only played, he has not even played a hundred games in his NBA career, which is insane. Uh, And people already pretty much have thrown him in the garbage. So, it's just uh it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see these guys develop. I'm a big supporter of all our guys. I pretty much like the roster as it is right now. And it should be fun to see what changes Troy makes, if any.
0: So before you before you uh, go to the ads and get to that topic you just mentioned, I just want to throw out there that uh, from ten to sixteen feet, uh Isaiah Stewart shot fifty five percent, fifteen to twenty seven from that area. Obviously not a large sample size, but it, it feels like he shot damn near 80%. So that's actually shocking enough to me, but for real, uh, I'm a, I'm as much as people think that I'm like a pessimist or anything. I like all these guys as well. Like you said, I, I'm a real fan of all of them. I, I think all of them are really good picks. I just, I just wanted to get your thoughts on wh- basically everything you said. I just wanted to see where you stood and with the, with how highly you thought of them. Are you, are you a little higher on some guys, et cetera. And I, I appreciate everything you went into and, I like how you teased our last topic. You probably do a better job at teasing teasing topics than I do, but when we'll come back, we'll talk about that whole old the new shiny toy topic that I wanted to talk about with Eli later on. But before we get to that, let me tell you about one of your guys' sponsor your favorite sponsors, I should say, Boat Bar. The best tasting protein bar on planet Earth comes with a variety of flavors, including six new flavors and caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All flavors are covered in incredible tasting chocolate and are soft and easy on the teeth to chew. These bars are low in calorie and sugar, but high in protein and fiber. A flavor I suggest is the peanut butter flavor, which I haven't seen any, many of you guys tweet me this. I had, there was a good like two week stretch where you guys were tweeting me multiple times. You guys were getting this peanut butter flavor book bar. I'd like to, I'd like to see more of you guys getting these because they're packed with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only five grams of sugar and five grams net carbs. So go try the book bar. Go to BoatBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BoatBar.com. BoatBar, the best tasting protein bar ever. So Eli, you kind of hinted at this topic that we were going to talk about in the last segment. And I think a lot of people know why I feel this way. You kind of mentioned the player that I'm mainly going to be talking about and it's Seku. But I feel like this is not just with the Pistons fan base, by the way. This is, I think this is with a lot of fan bases. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this. But it seems like anytime there's a rookie, you draft anyone, there's always like this immediate hype behind there. Everyone wants to believe that they're, they're the next big thing. And like you said, I think it was – it's technically two years two years ago now, I believe you would say, um, that the Pistons drafted Sekou and everyone thought he was the next big thing. We have people call him the Prince of Detroit – uh, speaking of chance at games, I believe you went to a preseason game or like a G League. I, I, I forget what game it was you went to, uh, but it was before Seiku actually suited up for the piss. I think it was off season, and you started the chant like "Oh Seiku or something like that. What yeah, was it was
1: it? a uh, it was a big three game. It was an Ice Cube oh, yeah, yeah. big three league game, and Seiku was getting I'm pretty sure his first tour of LCA after getting drafted because it was in June. Um, yeah, I think Seiko was getting a tour, and I just screamed his name as loud as possible, and he pointed up into the stands and started laughing.
0: No, yeah. So, yeah, you started that You started that little chant there for him. And then moving on throughout his rookie season, everyone thought that he was legit, like the next big thing, like you said. We had Marcus – no, not Marcus. Markeith Morris calling the Prince of, Prince of Detroit soon. Uh, he had a, a really good stretch where people thought, oh, my God. Like how, how could everyone have missed on this guy or passed up on this guy, blah, blah. And obviously he ended up struggling to end of that season, but people still were like really high on Sekou and, and really loved him. I feel, I feel like the fan base, like loved him to death. And then they drafted Sadiq Bey, Killian Hayes, and Isaiah Stewart. And no one even thought about Sekou. Like, I felt like everyone just completely forgot about him and stopped caring about him. And now it was the new shiny toys right here. Um. What's your thoughts for why that happened to Sekou before we move on to another topic, not another topic, but another like branch of this topic. What what do you think caused that to happen with Seiku? And do you think the fan base is, is completely out on him? Uh, what, what's your experience with that?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that at the beginning of the year, Sekou didn't really show any noticeable improvements. He was just kind of the same guy he was and, I think a lot of people had expectations for him that maybe were a little too high. I think people, you know, there was a lot of those comparisons for Pascal Siakam. And I think people just expect him to one day wake up and become Pascal Siakam. And that's just not how basketball works. It's not how development works. So I think the fact that the rookies came in and the rookies were just so good right away. Uh, compared to Seku, who was drafted as a project, drafted at 18 years old, the youngest player in the 2019 draft. Uh, and then you have guys like Sadiq coming in at 21 years old, 20 years old, whatever he was, from a good college in Villanova, who a lot of times has NBA-ready players coming out. Uh, and Sadiq balled out. Isaiah, I think, played a lot better than... All of us expected him to. I think we pretty much said that he wasn't going to play much his first year and then he might be ready his second year. But Isaiah showed up and showed that he's ready to contribute. Um, And, of course, Killian was the seventh pick. So Killian already had hype surrounding him. And, you know, even with you could even say the same thing with Killian, like when Sadiq and Isaiah came out and they were balling and Killian was hurt. I mean, everyone just kind of forgot about Killian and he just kind of got thrown to the side. And then when he came back, it was like, oh yeah, we have this guy again. So I don't really know what it is about fans that make them do that and make them just, you know, we always want the novelty thing. We don't want, you know, this guy that's been around for whatever. And this guy that's not producing as much as these guys, we don't want to be patient. We just want Whoever's balling in the present moment is who we like. It's just a bunch of recency bias type stuff, I think.
0: So my thing is that I think that's actually – I like that you brought up that happened with Killian because it 100% did. That's where I was going to go next is that even – not even like a second-year player. Like it happened to our own rookie. Like Killian, like you say, he, he got hurt. And once he got hurt, the other two rookies started balling out and everyone completely soured on Killian. Like when he was drafted, we had people – everyone loved Killian. It was literally – I think – Pistons Twitter basically said, we willed it into existence. Oh, we we willed the, the fact that Killian would be drafted by the Pistons into existence. Like, all that stuff. And then once he got hurt and the other two started balling out, everyone just stopped liking Killian. And everyone just forgot about him and stopped caring about him. Um, and now I know it's gotten so far to the point where, legit, there's like two sections of the fan base. Either you really like Killian or he sucks. Like, that, there's no in-between. Basically, it's you're in one of those camps. So, uh, it happens with Sekou, it happened with Killian, it happens all the time. And I think it's extremely dangerous and it's something that I hate that fans do because it sets people up to be disappointed. Uh, it, Like, for example, I, I'm not going to ask you to get too much into this. I'm not going to put you on the spot like that and make you make you say anything about it. But it's kind of exactly how I feel with Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart as well. And I think it happens with almost every rookie the Pistons have drafted and have shown any kind of promise to this happens to. Like... They, they play well, they give you some reasons to be hype about them, they really like them, and then immediately Pistons fans at the snap of a finger immediately, Oh, this guy's gonna be a superstar, Oh, this guy's gonna be Paul George, or oh, this guy's gonna be this, this guy's gonna be that I can't wait, blah blah. And then when that second season rolls around, they real like people don't seem to realize that development is not linear. Like there's plenty of people to take a step forward, two steps back, and then three steps forward. Like it, that it, it doesn't it's not just linear. So after the first year, they set these insane expectations for guys' careers. They, they start saying all these crazy things about them. Stanley the <coughs> Johnson. Over. Yeah, basically <laughs> yeah, that, 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 it hurts my heart to have to say that now, but I have to accept, I have to accept that that's the fact. But basically, so like they set all these crazy expectations at the one year, and then the second year they come back and either has made one marginal improvement or two barely any improvement and three, no improvement at all or four taking a step back and now, it's we oh this guy's a bust we hate this guy where's this new toy at where is he at and then we just do the and, and then we do it again with the exact same guy that came from this year's draft or the next year's draft etc so i i feel like i've talked about this many times before in the pack i just feel like pistons fans and not i don't know why i say pistons fans nba fans in general to set themselves up for disappointment non-stop with these guys because it's like it's not reasonable to think that about every player like not every player is destined to be a star And then also not every player makes improvement year after year after year. Some people struggle year to year and then make a big jump. Like it's not linear. So I I just think Pistons fans are flirting with being really too dangerous and and setting themselves up for disappointment. What do you feel about that?
1: I think it's important to have expectations. I mean, obviously you expect these guys to improve. You expect them to, like, let's say uh, Killian, you know, he couldn't really shoot last year. You expect him to come in next year and be a better shooter. But to expect him to, you know, average like 15 to 20 points a game, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. And if you think, oh, he's a bust if he doesn't average this because, oh, let's say, yeah, look what Halliburton did. Why can't Killian do that? I think you're just, you know, you're you're it's just a toxic mindset, I feel like. And those types of people, it's really hard to please. So. I think it's important to have expectations, but at the same time, be realistic and understand that at the end of the day, the draft is like a crapshoot. And if you go back and look at every single draft, like the last 10 years, over half of those guys that get drafted, you'll be like, whatever happened to that guy? Where is he now? Because that's just what the draft is. You know, not all these guys are going to make it and you have to accept that. Just because they're on your team doesn't mean they're going to pan out. Some of these guys are going to – I don't like to call people busts, but some of these guys are going to be busts. That's just how it is.
0: So before we move on, I just want to say I, I appreciate you, Eli, for coming on as well and and, and sharing all these thoughts. I appreciate, I've appreciate i appreciated your insight and in all this. Uh, but let's look forward to next year a little bit. Um, outside of Kay Cunningham, who – what what player would you say you are most looking forward to seeing next year? Is it is it a player on this roster already, or is it a player that you like? Okay, I think the Pistons can get this guy in the free agency. I really hope they get him, and I'd love to watch him next year. Like, what who is it that you're most inside excited to watch this next season? Um,
1: I think we can both be in agreement on this. It's definitely Corey Joseph or Rodney Magruder. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm playing. Uh why are they on the roster still is my question. I don't really know.
0: I I you know, I had someone ask that question on the mailbag Wednesday, or at least for Ronnie Magruder. My thought for Ronnie Magruder is they're probably I mean, I could be wrong. There could be like another date that I don't know about. I'm not the biggest salary cap guy, but I believe the most sense right now you can make of it is that they might use him for a trade chip, or since he's expiring, use him in, in a deal like that to make up for salary or whatever. That that would be my guess. Or Corey Joseph, I don't know. Is, is that, has his date already passed to where they can release him and and make uh, that money back? I don't think it has yet. So I could have no
1: idea, but he better go before that happens or they better renegotiate his contract because that's a lot of money to give Corey Joseph.
0: No, yeah, I think he'll be I, – I, I think – actually, go ahead. You can finish out your answer. I'll look it up right now.
1: Yeah, so that was a joke. Um...
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, we caught, I think we caught on to that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm probably the most excited to see Killian Hayes. I've been so high on him since we drafted him and him getting hurt was just, oh, it was so painful to see because I I don't want to start like something like there's a curse or something, but all I know is Killian got hurt against the Milwaukee bucks and Killian's Jersey number is number seven. And Brandon Jennings also wore number seven, and then he got hurt against the Milwaukee Bucks. So, I just hope the number seven isn't cursed, because it just—it seems like the past few guys that have wore seven, Stanley, Von Maker. Oh, I don't no. know.
0: I didn't even think about that. You keep naming these names. I'm like, yeah, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I don't know who else, but it just seems like that number never, never turns out well for anyone who wears it. So, yeah,
0: yeah I, I didn't I'm, even think about that, man. <laughs> it's me scary, it's scary,
1: right? <laughs> it's scary. I hope Killian can redeem the number because, you know, we all loved Brandon Jennings, but we know how it ended. um And I hope Killian can redeem that number because it's probably one of the best jersey numbers you could wear, to be honest. And I, I hope Killian can live up to his potential. And I'm really, really excited to see. How he fits alongside Cade because I think I really think they have the potential to be one of the best backcourts in the NBA on both ends of the floor especially defensively I'm so interested to see how they'll guard other backcourts because Killian's a nice 6'5 with like a 6'8 wingspan and Cade is 6'8 with a 7 foot wingspan I can't name too many NBA teams that can compete with that size at the one and two and that is going to be just so beautiful to see together and we know Dwayne loves his two-point guard lineups Absolutely. so for the people that you know have concerns about that fit Dwayne's probably a pretty good coach to make that work because he's done it before he used to play Jose Calderon and Ish Smith at the same time so Dwayne Dwayne can figure out how to fit Kate Cunningham and Killian Hayes.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh before I go on, uh Corey Joseph's contract becomes guaranteed on the first of August. So we got nine no ten days, right? Nine or ten days to go. So I, I think he'll probably still be released by then. If, so if, for
1: uh for all those people that want to buy their Pistons Corey Joseph jersey, just wait another two weeks and it'll be on clearance.
0: There you go. Wait two weeks for it. You'll. you it, it, it might not be clear. It might just be free for you. You might just be able to get it for. free.
1: You might get money for taking it.
0: Legit. You might. You might. You might get paid. <laughs> they will pay it. you. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, so uh, who I'm most excited to watch this next season is probably between Killian and Seku, because like I'm a big Seku guy. Everyone knows I really like Seku. Uh, I really want to see if he builds upon that, stri- that that close to the season. He did the final third of his season. a big thing I wrote about, I had a big podcast about. I really think that that was just some really, really good play, and I think he finally broke through the wall. So I'm interested to see how he uses that move, pushing into next season. And then, like you said, for Killian Hayes, I think Killian Hayes is probably everyone's answer because he has the most potential, I think, of a lot of these guys in the roster everyone would agree with, and he has – he has something to prove, I guess, because he missed his rookie season. He was basically robbed of a rookie season. I know he was able to come back and have it, but it, that was a tough season to have to, with COVID and and the and the um, the lack of practicing and the, and the testing and the and everything and the that torn went
1: labrum him. in his hip.
0: Yeah, all of that, obviously, his injury. injury. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he basically was robbed of a real rookie season, and I feel like. He has something to prove and has a chip on his shoulder this upcoming season. I can't wait to see what he does. So those two guys, are the guys I'm most looking forward to talking about or not talking about. Well, yeah, talking about it but also seeing. Uh but outside of that, Eli, is there anything else you wanted to say or hit on before we wrap up the podcast?
1: Yeah, I wanted to touch on the Seku thing again. I think me saying that I'm most excited for Killian was another one of those shiny new toy things. Like I really didn't even think of Seku. It's it's just weird how that happens. But yeah, Seku. I just hope, I hope because I've, I've been such a se- big Seku guy since we drafted him and he's who I wanted in that draft. I was praying he would, I still have tweets saying like Danny Ainge, please don't draft Seku and stuff like that. And then, uh, I was so happy when we got him. I just think he has so much untapped potential. Uh, I don't trust his hands. His hands are very questionable but his footwork and his touch around the basket are like insane to me. And the fact that at the end of the year, he was able to draw contact and get to the rim. And I just noticed him getting to the free throw line a lot. And I was like, man, if he could like tighten his handle and like get a jump shot where he can like get people on pump fakes and stuff, he could get to the rim even more. And he could actually become like a really good player. I like to say like, Seku should just watch Jeremy Grant play and just be like, "I need to become a guy like Jeremy Grant," because I think they have a similar similar build, um, and they they looked pretty similar when they came into the league. They had similar stats coming into the league. Uh, I just think Jeremy would be like the perfect player for Seku to model his game after. But I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wrote about Seku's insane. I call it insane improvement to wrap up the season uh, because, so like this is right here. So he made like a 13% improvement from his first 40 games on all two points. He shot 55.6% on all twos. Then in this final third of the season, he shot uh, 61% on four and a half attempts at the rim. And I wrote right here in this article, uh, if you guys want to check it out, it's at Detroit Bad Boys. But like to give some context on that, Paul George shot 57% from at the rim on four and a half attempts. Julius Randle shot 58% at the rim on four four attempts a game. And then, like you said, Jeremy Grant himself, he shot 58% uh, at the rim on five attempts. So Seiku showed, like you said, he has just such great touch. Um, I feel like that kind he kind of uses it too much, to be honest. I feel like he should yeah. just, like, dunk the ball a lot of the times. Go, go does, up stronger. Yeah, basically. But he does have incredible touch. He's comfortable using both hands. And he showed that he's really good. He's, he's actually stronger than he looks. I, I want to see him get stronger, but he,
1: I want he to see him use it.
0: Yeah. I'd like to see him use it as well. That's why I'm, I mean, all these things we're talking about is why I'm just so excited to see him next year. I think he, he could potentially be really like breaking the wall right now and heading into like a really important stretch of his career. I don't think it's going to be, I, I've said before, I don't think it's going to be with the Pistons moving forward. I think he's eventually going to get traded. Uh, but I, as a Seku fan, not just a Seku dubois Piston fan, as a, someone who's a fan of him and his game and as a player. I'm really excited to see how this next season goes for his career. But Eli, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I it think it's the first fun, time. Man. I think it's the first time me and you have ever collaborated on anything. We've known each other for years now, and we this is the first time we've collaborated on anything.
1: It is. It was, it was very fun, though. I appreciate you for having me. Should do it again. Should have done it sooner, honestly. It's crazy. This is the first time we've done anything, but it was a lot of fun.
0: I mean, yeah, definitely. Everyone was – I had a lot of people tweeting me and asking me, hey, get some fans on there. Have like a fan. Uh, I, I forget what you guys called them. Someone tweeted me and called it like a fan. Fana fanapod or something. I forget what it was called. I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool with Eli, so why don't I just have him be the first one? And for all you guys out there, oh, you're picking favorites. If you guys want me to do the, continue doing the little Fana Pod whatever you guys want to call it, go ahead and tweet me and let me know if you guys want to try to be on here. I'll pick like random people once a week if that's something you guys want to keep doing. But – Eli, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you. He's a really fun uh, Twitter follow. He's very hilarious, very funny. Uh, so when he plugs us, make sure you guys go follow him. But go ahead, Eli.
1: I appreciate that. Follow me at Eli NBA, and uh, you'll pretty much get daily NBA tweets, daily Pistons tweets, random funny tweets. Pretty much, uh, I, I'm a pretty good follow, I have to say, not to toot my own horn, but yeah. Follow Ku too. <laughs> Koo is pretty cool as well.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm guess i pretty cool. But Eli, Eli has me beat on some of the – what would I say? What would I call it? Um, Memes? Yeah, there you go. That would be the best way to go about it. He has me beat in that department. But <laughs> thank you, Eli, man, for coming on here again. Um, if you guys haven't already, make sure you guys go down below and subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review, and put in the review. If you guys want to be on one of the mailbags, leave a question down there. I always look at all of those reviews. I appreciate all you guys who listen to this podcast daily. I really – Appreciate it for real. And I'll see you guys on Monday. Actually, no. You guys may be getting a surprise podcast on Saturday. Stay tuned. But if you guys don't get that, I'll see you guys on Monday for our, our weekly five to our uh, weekly five podcasts a week. I don't know why i just confused. I just really like said that wrongly. I meant to say, from Monday to Friday, daily podcast. and You guys may get a, a surprise one this Saturday, though. But anyways, I've talked too much. I'll see you guys later in the next podcast. Peace out, everybody.